tortoises, kilts, and dime store hookers, all today on the Booterverse. This is episode 13 of the Booterverse. I can't believe it, and it is certainly a lucky number for us. Comedian Kyle Fields is here with us today, and let me tell you, this interview is one for the record books. We've got Judy Scheinbaum here answering your questions, and we've brought good old Glenn McDougal back to talk about Scottish independence, all today on the 13th episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by 8-Track Tapes. 8-Track Tapes. Sure, you could put it in, but you might not get it out. Buddha. And now for news in my orbit. A Colorado museum rushed this week to deny that tortoises are being tortured by iPads. An installation piece which features three of the gentle giant amphibians has come under fire from animal activists. They claim that having tablet computers glued to the back of their shells constitutes cruel and unusual punishment. In response to a petition to cancel the exhibit, the museum has stated that the tortoises are being supervised by veterinarians and that their diet includes leafy vegetables. A tortoise specialist consulted in the matter said that the iPads in no way interfere with the animal's natural behavior and stated further that thousands upon thousands of humans are also glued to iPads, and they're apparently just fine. Turning to political news, caught up in midterm fever, Reddit has gone political and ranked the most foul-mouthed congressional districts in the United States. In first place is Idaho's 2nd District. Formed in 1919, the 2nd District has long been known for its blue turn of phrase, beginning with numerous off-color quips about Teddy Roosevelt's death, which involved questionable references to big sticks and a bull moose. What role the large Mormon population in this district has on its potty mouth is purely speculative. Running a close second is Massachusetts 6th District, who can't seem to get over the nudge-nudge-wink-wink references to Middlesex, which they've been making since 1789. While it hasn't even existed since 1883, Nebraska's now-defunct, at-large district comes in at third place, largely due to the salty vocabulary of one Lorenzo Krauts, a two-term congressman he was well-known for saying, they don't call me a cornhusker for nothing, which, as a little-known historical footnote, became the unofficial model of the 43rd Congress. Too bad they didn't have t-shirts back then. And thank you, Reddit, for keeping us politically informed. Now on a turn for crown and country, amidst news that Prince William and his wife Kate Middleton are expecting again, it has come out that Buckingham Palace has forced the future monarch to sign an agreement that his wife will remain constantly pregnant to cover up for the Queen's awkward political moments. When she recently referred to the independence-seeking Scots as a fat lot of manky uphill gardeners, her minders braced for a storm of blowback that never came. It was conveniently lost in a sparkly cloud of baby dust. Seizing on the idea, Britain's top ministers leapt into action and drafted the leaked contract, which reads more like a document from an MI5 dossier. In it, the prince consents that the Duchess of Cambridge has been made perpetually pregnant by any means necessary, and is, in fact, a matter of national security. Prime Minister David Cameron has praised the move and has volunteered the use of his supple hands if they are ever required. Not leaving the British Isles, Sir David Attenborough appears to have gone off the rails, announcing recently that his only wish for the remainder of his career is to prove the existence of as many mythical beasts as possible. 
The renowned naturalist and broadcaster, now 88, says he plans to start out with the Yeti and work his way through the Loch Ness Monster, the Manticore, the New Jersey Devil, and finally the Unicorn. Undeterred when a hair sample found in his backyard was identified as a poodle and not the abominable snowman, Attenborough announced he was planning a no-holds-barred expedition to the Himalayas to search for the ape-like creatures. I know they're there, he said. I'm sure they've built lovely cottages in the hills, though you would never know it. His strategy is to find and lure them out of their charming bungalows with bits of string and a pumpkin spice latte. But as excited as he is about finding a yeti, he doesn't get truly misty-eyed until he talks about the unicorn. That's the thing to be remembered for, Attenborough said, of finding such a horny holy grail. Up until now, his most enduring contribution to the world of science has been having a species of goblin spider named after him. And that's not, he said. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Fluorescent Lights. Fluorescent Lights, making everybody look bad since 1972. And now for a segment we like to call Scots Free with Glenn McDougall. Glenn, welcome back to the show. Oh, Emily, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. I had such a great time answering people's crazy questions. I don't know where they come from. These people just ask question upon question upon question. I don't even know. I mean, seriously, where did it all come from? I have no idea. Thank you, Glenn. Now, Scottish independence. Do you want to talk about it? I do not, but I will because it's important for the international community to know that we almost had our independence. And that's something lovely. Absolutely. Do you have any thoughts on independence yourself, or do you just think it's lovely? Well, of course I've got thoughts. I'm a Scotsman. I don't have... I mean, look, what do you think is rolling around in my brain? Ah, it's not empty. I'm not just, you know, going ahead and throwing tabers all the time. Ah, I don't just wear kilts. What kind of a stereotypical person do you think I am? You sort of need to get your facts straight. Ah, it's borderline racist. And I'm not saying that to you, but I mean, I am saying that to you. You kind of are. Don't you treat the Scots like that. You should be ashamed. I'm sorry, Glenn. Uh, what are your thoughts on Scottish independence? Well, let me tell you. I was on the fence for about, I don't know, whenever it started. And I thought to myself, listen, it's kind of like having a sister that's divorced. You know, she's still part of the family, she's still around, but nobody really wants to talk to her because she's kind of a pariah. Now, I'm not saying that people who are divorced are pariahs, but my sister is. Let me tell you, she is a piece of work, and I don't even like to talk about it, but I'm going to... Because it is important. What you need to understand about Scottish independence is this. We are a naturally rich country in natural resources. We've got gas coming out of places you didn't even know existed. That's right. And our iron ore. Listen, how do you think that William Wallace took the sword or whatever and tried to get independence so long ago? I tell you what, it's the iron ore. People need to know that. And they don't. Nobody says, oh, Scotland, they're rich in iron ore. And they should. Because that thing should be out there on the market. That should be the ticker under the Scottish banner. And I don't even know what it is, but it's, we're proud and kilted. Scotland, it also has a bunch of iron ore. That's right. Why don't we talk about it more? Nobody says, oh, Scotland, it's great with iron ore. No, it ain't. It has to happen. No. So on this show, I'm saying, Scotland, rich in iron ore. Are you sure that it is? I have no idea, but it might as well be. Listen, we've got mountains up here and hills over there, dells and hills and I don't know, but we've got a lot of stuff. And that stuff is important. Glenn, I couldn't agree more. In terms of independence, let me tell you, I 
I don't know what it is about David Cameron, but I tell you what, that fancy tancy tutti fruity comes bounding around the border thinking, oh look, I'm the Prime Minister of Great Britain, la da look at me, I've got a couple different countries under my belt. I think, seriously, the man just didn't want to have to change his, you know, Union Jack underwear. I tell you what, the man wears Union Jack underwear, and that's not something that you should necessarily be proud of, but it's not necessarily something you should be ashamed of either, if you know what I mean. Glenn, do you even wear underwear under that kilt? Well, that's kind of a personal question, you wee American yank. I'll tell you what, that's none of your dumb... Of course I don't. Okay, now let's move on. You're like Oprah, you just weasel the info... You're like Barbara Walters. You just gain the intro... The, the information out to me, you yank it out, you pull it like William Wallace was pulled apart when he tried to get Scotland back to the place that it was at. And it, that's what I think about Scottish independence. Should it have happened? Maybe. Do I like it? Sort of. Could I have possibly been more, I don't know, emphatic? Sure could have. But will I? No. Well, I think that's all the time we have. Glenn, thank you so much for joining us on the Booterverse. Oh, it's my pleasure, and seriously, lad, if you want me back, I'll come anytime you want. I like you. You kind of have warmed the cockles of my heart. And that's been it for Scott's Free. We'll be right back after this. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Indoor Outdoor Carpet. Indoor Outdoor Carpet. Sure, it seems like a great idea until you sit down. And now for a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy Scheinbaum, thanks for coming to answer people's questions. Oh, hello, Emery. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get started. By the way, did you get a new haircut? I love it. It's sort of like Daniel Day-Lewis meets, I don't know, Dances with Wolves. It's lovely. I don't know what you did. Judy, I have no idea what you're talking about. Listen, doll, I love it. That's all you need to know. Now, here's our first question. Kathy in Sheboygan, Wisconsin says, How do you Oktoberfest? Oh, sweetheart, I'm Jewish. I don't Oktoberfest. Okay, that's a lie. I go down to Central Park, and my God, if you've ever met the Bishop of New York City, he is a gem. I love him to death. I swear to God. If I wasn't Jewish, I would be Catholic. Why? The robes. I just love them so much. But I digress. What you need to do with Oktoberfest is this. Get a mug, get some pumpkin ale, and you are set. Next. Oh, my. Mitt in Arcadia, Illinois says, Oh, it's Acadia. It's not arcade. I'm not playing pinball here. Okay, here we go. All right, Mitt in Arcadia. I think my neighbor is keeping a tiger in her apartment. What should I do? Oh, sweetheart. If you come to my apartment, you'll certainly find a tiger, if you know what I mean. Next. Oh, Lola, in Pacatella in Zizaho. What? How? What? It doesn't even make sense. All right, Lola, in Idaho. Here's your question. What is the perfect transitional piece for a summer into fall wardrobe? Well, hello, sweetheart. There's only one piece of wardrobe that I need. If it's not Versace, it's got to be a Moo Moo. I swear, you can find them in floral prints, which will take you to summer. To fall, you can find some leafy patterns. I look like I should be in a deer blind, not in Central Park. But let me tell you what, it doesn't matter. I look fabulous. And you could too. Just get yourself a Moo Moo and head into fall, dearie. Oh, this is a lovely question from Shannon in Ames, Iowa. I'm stuck in an apple pie rut. What kind of pie would get me out of it? Sweetheart, you're barking up the wrong pastry tree. It has nothing to do with pies. 
My God. All right, sweetheart, if you're not munching on croquettes, you're not living. I swear to God, we've introduced them at the bakery, and they are a delight. You have to do them. Anything smushed with creamed filling, I would go for any day of the week. And sweetheart, you should too, especially if he's a doctor. Oh my, oh, oh, I go, I went, I've gone too far. I've gone too far. Okay. Oh, Alma in Fort Lewis, Washington says, I want my wood floors to be shiny, but I keep slipping in my stocking feet. Is pledge the wrong way to go? Sweetheart, pledge is absolutely the wrong way to go. If you don't have someone doing your floors, you haven't lived. With the money I save buying moo-moos, I have someone cleaning my floor at least twice a week. And by the way, if you get a lovely-looking young man, those floors will be extra shiny, if you know what I mean. Wink. Oh my, I'm getting a little verklempt sitting right over here. Let's just move. Oh my gosh, it's already the last question. I can't even believe it. Here is Sylvia in Bennington, Massachusetts. What TV shows would you suggest for someone who's seen every episode of South Park? Okay, I see we're sort of scraping the, the bottom of the barrel for this one. Sweetheart, if you are watching South Park, I don't mean to be rude and as funny as you may think it to be, it's a little low class. I'm not going to say it's trashy because I know people find it funny, but seriously, let's go ahead and move on. I actually like Battlestar Galactica. I know it's a little crazy for me to like such a lovely science fiction trope, but it is wonderful. The new remake will make you sitting there for hours. If you haven't tried it, live it, love it. It'll be great. So Battlestar Galactica for you, sweetheart. And that's it for The Last Lung with Judy. Stay classy, my dears. I love you. Mwah! And that's been it for The Last Lung with Judy. We'll be right back after this. Buddha. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by Shih Tzus. Seriously, Shih Tzus? All right, everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. I am sitting down here with Kyle, the short bus, Kincaid, comedian, radio personality, and overall great guy. Kyle. Oh, oh you, you flatter me. Well, sir, I try to flatter all of my guests. It's what we do here. I love this. I love the, the whole setup down here. Like, it, it's such a, a suburban residential uh, like neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, like, knock on the front door and ask if Emery could come out to play. Oh, well, you know what? I'm inviting you in to play, sir, and it's great to have you here. It is. Well, it's great to be here. It's great to, to stroke my ego for a good half hour. Mm. I need it. I just went to Speedway, and uh, I got a, a, a Mountain Dew. Like, you never realize how bad you should feel about yourself until you get the speedy rewards oh my god my uh your phone is ringing. my phone rick, it's ringing right now rick, who is rick flair just wooed at me that's nice i love that is rick calling right now he is perhaps yeah. from beyond we he's, he's still alive what from I mean, beyond i just figure he's beyond somewhere he's defied expectations and uh medical records i have no idea how he's still alive <laughs> but uh, no, I, I what I was saying is you you ha have no idea how bad you should feel about yourself until you get the speedy rewards card, because I went there and uh, on the way here and they were like, okay, sir, that's your thirteenth Mountain Dew, so here's a coupon for a free one, mm. and here's your uh, next Lay's bag of potato chips. There you go. Excellent. And one more root beer, and you qualify for one of those, and you can get something off the rollers too. Kind of like a dime store hooker, you know what I mean? Like your eleventh visit is free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nice. I assume you know about. Oh, God, Dime Store. That's the high quality right there, man. A absolutely. I'm in more of the nickel hooker range. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. The kind where they kind of, they used to be, you know, men, but it's okay now. Right. No, I mean, they haven't, and they don't have enough money for that operation. Oh, right? no, that, they're, they're working their way towards it. Come on. We all have a dream. 
We do. MLK had a dream. Mm-hmm. Dime store hookers have a dream. Mm-hmm. You have a dream. What is that dream, sir? Uh, my dream is to hopefully not clip too many levels on that soundboard over there. I saw it go orange. I'm sorry. We're blowing. You've gone plaid, sir. You've gone plaid. <laughs> and I don't know why you're doing it, but you're doing it. We're blowing people's earbuds out right now. Hallelujah. Yes, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll always fix it in post. That's what yeah. we do here. But no, let's talk. You brought me here for a reason, and it wasn't to mention Mountain Dew and Doritos. What's going on? And hookers? No, and I, I did. Love hookers. I, listen, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I we got can. in trouble on the air uh, a couple of weeks ago for saying that if it were socially acceptable, I would have a hooker every day. Well, what's, what's wrong with that? It, the problem is you're not running in the right social circles because in certain social circles, that's perfectly acceptable. I'm looking for those circles. I'm, mm. I'm trying to find them. Mm. So what is it like being on the air? How long have you been on the air? Do you like being a radio, should I say, personality? Are you at that level yet? Oh, well, I've been there for 10 years, so I hope I'm a personality. Well, you are a personality just in who you are, but oh. on, the, on the air, on the airwaves, surfing oh. them as you do. Angel, yes, I am. Mm. No, I've, I've, I was 18 when I started, so I was in high school. And, like, I, 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 I kind of came to the realization yesterday because I was like, when I was 18, I got paid to drink and hang out with strippers and do crazy stunts. And that was, like, awesome. And now that I'm 28 and, you know, all my friends are married with their 14th kids now and, you know, goals and jobs yes, and careers. Goals, careers. I'm 28 and I get paid to drink and hang out with strippers and do crazy stunts. So it's a little sad now, but I still enjoy it. Some wouldn't say that's sad, my friend. Some would say that's living the life. I call it living the dream. I, mm. I, I, I enjoy it, mm. you know. But what? Now, what drew you to radio at 18 years of age? What drew you there? I mean, was it literally the beers and the hookers? The hookers, the, the, the hookers. I just hey. Oh, sorry. I'm sure some of those lovely ladies down at the station may have a side job, but I I don't think we're going to judge them right here, right now. <laughs> well, actually, one of the girls who used to be on the show that I'm on was picked up for being a hooker, but she wasn't hooking. Ooh. She was just dressed like one outside of a Hardee's. True story. Holler, because, you know, when people go to find hookers, they think of Hardee's. I would. Hardee's. The hooker capital of America. <laughs> oh my! Is oh. this is this a PG podcast? Or Listen, can we... I think we can just not. If you you haven't used any swears, my friend. Okay. And so I mean, as long as it's not too dirty, I'm gonna keep it. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I'm not afraid, my friend. This is a podcast. This is the wild west. I, I well, I know, and that's the thing. Like, again, ten years on the air, I'm in front of a microphone. I instinctively can't. I'm not saying certain words, but I want to say them. But it goes against everything in my DNA now, you know? I understand. That is what's hard about radio is that there are so many things I want to say, so many jokes, so many observations, but I can't. And we're on a rock station, Active Rock, so we have— As opposed to, like, geriatric rock? Well, there is some some generic rock involved there, too. But I mean, like, like different formats, you have different audiences, and you can get away with different things, right? Sure. You know, a a country station— you're going to have soccer moms driving their kids, you know, to, to class or whatever. So obviously you'd be really clean, you know, so on and so forth. But active rock, you can get away with the most. And that's awesome. But it's still terrestrial radio. And I want to make terrestrial terrestrial. That's a hard terrestri- word. To, terrestrial. It's like that's my George Bush nuclear. What's you be- know, yeah. Nuclear, terrestrial. Nu- terrestrial. What's because terrestrial. you've also had nine shots of Jack Daniels. Listen, I think, you know, I'm better than that. You're better than Jack. I don't think I don't know if you are better than Jack Daniels. <gasps> Sir, I take offense. I wear bow ties on the regular. I didn't say you were Jim Beam worthy. I mean, that's one shelf above. 
All right, but I think people know I'm the top of the top, top shelf. What are you? Are you? A, I'm a, like shots of Pappy Van Winkle. Oh, I was going to say you're an Elmer T. Lee, but you're a Pappy Van Winkle. Listen, I, listen, I like the Elmer T. I'm not going to lie about this. If I wish this was a bourbon podcast because we could talk for hours. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't mm. it? I got drunk on bourbon before 10 in the morning on Friday. Welcome to the weekend, my friend. Yes, it was not. And then I went to Arby's and ate the Meat Mountain. Is that where you found the hooker that you were looking for? Was she there? Is that why you went? No, that is at Hardee's. Oh, and, oh uh, you went to Arby's. I'm sorry. And yes. if I went to a hooker and asked for the Meat Mountain, it would be a very different type of hooker. I just assumed you'd like to dive into whatever. You know, <laughs> that should be the name if I ever have a podcast. Diving into whatever with Kyle Short Bus Kincaid. Wow, let's take the short bus back. I'll tell you how we can get back. All right. Well, we, do we want to get back? We I don't know if we do or not, but let's do it for a second. We were talking mm. about radio, how right. I got into radio. Right. Clay Aiken right. is how I got into radio. Do tell. I mean that. No, here's what happened. I was 18 years old, and I was an intern for the radio station because I met the morning show hosts at whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, Clay Aiken was coming to town. Here, as he does. As he does. And the hosts at the time, they were doing their job making fun of Clay Aiken. Oh, how could anybody want to go see Clay Aiken? He's so lame, blah, 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 blah. Well, my friends were listening to this while they were in high school, and they gave the show a call, and they were like, yeah, our friend loves Clay Aiken. I think you might know him. His name is Kyle the Intern. And they were like, what? No. Right? So they were going to give me crap about it the next morning when I went on to the show. So So I got there. Right. Well, actually, what happened was all these people were calling into the show making fun of me, like... Like, man, screw that guy. I'm going to I'll tell him. you what, that Kyle Shortbus, uh, the intern, he's a piece of work right there. <laughs> I mean, he's a Clay Aiken lover. There's something wrong with that boy beyond the shirts he's wearing. I'll tell you that much right now. Exactly. You, that was an exact impression of them. But actually, as a matter of fact, one of them was like, I'm going to drag him behind Sarla Platinum and put a bullet in his head. So I give the show a call right before they jump off the air. And, and people have been making fun of me all day. And I'm like, hey, this is Kyle the intern. I heard what you said about me. And they were like, oh, right? So I start cussing. I'm like, F Clay Aiken, F you. And they bleeped it, and they used that as the commercial that ran throughout the day. So it was like, if you miss the Z-Rock Morning Show, you miss this. Man, F Clay Aiken, blah, 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 right? So I get there the next morning to defend myself. Don't even go to school that day, or I'm like two hours late or something. I don't even care. And uh, and I went to the host, Hunter, at the time, and I was like, man, here, I think my slogan should be F Clay Aiken. And Hunter's like, whoa, or what about if like you denied it first? And then as the show progresses, you're like, hey, man, you know, Clay's all right. But then by the end, you embrace it. And you're like, man, I love Clay Aiken. And that's when, like, the light bulb went off. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is what we're doing, you know? And then from that point, I sang a song. It was like, it was like, Clay, your music puts me in a trance. Can't we all just give Clay a chance? Oh, beautiful. And that was the commercial that ran the next day. I think that's actually the slogan for his congressional campaign, give Clay a chance. I think it should be. Maybe they could get that clip and start using it for their commercials. You should have Clay Aiken on this show next week so he can defend himself against these allegations. If Clay Aiken would want to come on the show, we would love to have him. Let's make this happen. Let's there make are people this listening to this right now, I'm sure, in South Carolina. Mm. Tweet at Clay. Tweet at Clay. Or find him on Grinder. That's a cheap shot. Whatever. I'm sorry. It's Get him on this show. Kyle, you call it how you see it, and I, I love that exactly. about Exactly. That's what I love. That's Speaking of theme songs and themes and names, The Short Bus. Yes. Where'd you come up with it? 
I didn't come up with it. I would, if it were my choice, I would never name myself Short Bus. That wouldn't happen. I, I was Kyle the Intern, the very creative name for a long time, and then a few years into my, or a few years, a few months into my radio career, Twitch, who later became. I've been on like three different morning shows. People kept getting fired, and I just hung around for years. That's good. No, you've got staying power. That's it, what they call it, that well, staying power. They, they call it staying power when, for a long time, you don't get paid to do anything. Yeah, you got staying power, right? And, uh, and, and, and Twitch came in, and he was like, we need to get you a name. So he had all the listeners vote on names, and their choices were Nancy, mm. Sparky, Tard, and mm. Short Bus. I think Tard actually won, right. but, but they said, well, we can't call somebody Tard every day. And, but, but then we had an intern a few months later called Todd, but we called him Retod. And, oh, uh, I like that. It was very on nice. words without yeah. actually using the R word because oh, that's yeah. very not well, okay in our oh, society. If you make, if you draw the comparisons there, that's that's your business. Yeah, that wasn't no. what we were. You were no, looking for it. No, yeah, you've got to be looking for that if you want to find it. And that's not what we do here at the Booterverse. We no. just give it to you on a silver platter. We don't hide anything or hold anything back. I think that was the name of Clay Aiken's first album, by the way. We give it to you on a silver platter, and we don't hold anything back. Let's poke our heads out of the rabbit hole, if we would, for just a second. Okay. Let's talk about comedy. Yeah, we could do that, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, That's we've fine. been talking just random stuff. Yeah. Have I have I, have I? I turned the short bus around? You I mean, have. You've hijacked the short bus, and okay. now we're back on the road. We That's were okay. kind of – we were using uh, the the iPhone GPS for a while. It took us off track. Now we're back on Google Maps, and we're – where we need to be going. Yeah, let's talk about comedy. Uh, what let's, do you, let's do it. Let's rap. People don't say that word. Let's rap. Let's, but like not in, a, not in a musical sense, no. but is in a like, let's no. chat about it. Not like in like the smack a badge bunny type way like Jerry Van Dyke is into. But right. Like into the, I want to start that rumor so bad about Jerry Van Dyke that he just beats his women. <laughs> like what? Like you heard about Jerry Van Dyke. No. Like what happened? Oh man. Kim he and I, just treats Mm, that's where Ike Turner learned it from. Huh? Well, no comedy. We're talking about comedy. Well, we don't. Have, I mean, I just feel like it's something you do. It's something I do. It's something we can talk about. Yeah, that we we have in common. Absolutely. Now, what got you started into comedy? Then, I mean, you you did the radio since you were a mere babe. A babe, yeah. And uh, was and eight, eighteen when I started radio. Twenty one when I started comedy. And I'm still trying to figure out just what in the blue hell it's about. I'm trying, man. It's hard. It's rough. What do you think the hardest part about it is? God, oh man, making it, <laughs> making money, making from money. It. It's well, isn't just, it like being in a band? You know, like when you're first starting out, people aren't gonna pay you much no. or anything. Like I'm not. I think the most frustrating thing about comedy is that when you see okay, and when you see so many people make it or go on Comedy Central or HBO. And, and they got the half hour or the 15 or the hour or whatever. And it's so damn terrible. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, oh, I and, do. And you're, you're trying so hard. And again, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm great in any way. I, I know that I'm not. I think that that's a step that you have to get to in comedy is to be able to look at your stuff is that you once thought was sacred and go, okay, I can improve this. I can make this better. I can drop this. I'm just saying the I think the most frustrating thing about comedy is trying to figure out your voice. Sure. Trying to figure out what, what perspective you're coming from. Right. And then when, you know, as when you're in the process of doing all that, seeing somebody who's truly terrible, like Gabriel Iglesias, make $8 billion. Well, but. Think about where Gabriel started. You know, I mean, like the buffet at Golden Corral. Oh, oh, hey, no. oh hey, hey. there it was. Oh, yes, I believe. I, hey, we just 
I believe we did shoot our load on that one. But I'll tell you what, those last was funny. Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So you're talking about finding your voice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, man, it's it, comedy is this thing. And here's what I hear. I've talked to a lot of comics who are touring and on the road and have, are very successful. And one thing that I can't stand is when a, a, a certain comedian or you know, any type of comedian tries to apply what works for them and what you know what had worked for them and got them to that spot onto you, right? Because sure. comedy is such a, a subjective art form. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's it's something like com- what I do could be completely different than you. It doesn't mean that it's not comedy. What we both do is comedy, but so that's why I'm so crappy at giving people advice because I, you know. I, like again, that would be like you know a, a James Hetfield from Metallica giving advice to Nas. You know what I mean? Sure. Like it's still music, it, but, but it's yeah. Right. So, and I've had a lot of comics go, "Oh, Kyle, you know you got you got to do this, or this is what you didn't do." And it's like, like for instance, I've had a lot of comics go, "Well, yeah, but what does that joke say about you?" And it's like, I, I don't know. It's funny. I mean, you know what I mean, like it's creative. It's unique. I mean, it doesn't like to, to me, comedy doesn't have to necessarily be about who you are you know i mean you can look outward but you can still have a character when you're saying these things right absolutely so i mean so that that's a voice to me i mean again like i mean i i've got i'm still trying to find mine seven years in a lot of guys find their voice their first time on stage and i think in a lot of ways those guys make it way early right because they already know what works for them exactly plus they're a brand i mean already right (laughs) but isn't that comedy though i mean think about it there really are very few hard and fast rules Mm -hmm. for success i mean think about jerry seinfeld for example oh perhaps the most successful comedian of all time sure perhaps there will not be a comedian more successful than Jerry. It's very possible. It it is. Well, and I I say that because when he reached his zenith, we were still in an era where you could only access certain material in very certain ways, and there were only certain comics that could reach any level of notoriety at all. Mm -hmm. And not only did he reach notoriety, I mean, he became super, you know, super well-known. I mean, like to say that, I mean, everybody knows his name. Yeah, well, it's like cheers. Going back to we're we're gonna come back to that, but going back to what I was saying earlier, though, love Jerry Seinfeld, think he's amazing. Right before I came over here, I was just watching an episode of Seinfeld, as a matter of fact. But speaking of him, he he's another guy who I think places what got him to the dance on everybody else. Like for example, have have you seen? I'm sure if they're listening to this, they probably have the HBO special where it's Louis C.K., Chris Rock, oh, yeah, Ricky Funny Gervais. Talk, isn't that right. what it's called? Right. Well, it was a situation, I believe it was in that where, like, you know, he's like, oh, you shouldn't have to swear to to make it, right? You shouldn't have to do this to make it. It's like, no, Jerry, you don't have to, and that worked for you, but that doesn't mean that I have to live by your rules. Absolutely. Well, and there's a question of having to and choosing to. Exactly. And I think with Louis C.K., he chooses to do it. Oh, sure. But it's a very interesting thing. He talks about the F word, and Jerry says, well, the F word's kind of like a Corvette. And for Louis C.K., he thought, oh, well, this is great, right? I'm driving this you know, Corvette, and like it's a cool thing. And he's like, but wait a minute. Jerry drives Porsches. Right. You know, to, for Jerry, the F word is 
doesn't fit him. It, it, well, not only does it not fit him, but like while some people would think a Corvette is a great and awesome car, sure. for other people, they would look at a Corvette and think, eh, maybe not. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you were saying earlier, Jerry did come up in a very different time in comedy, like you said. I mean, it, it's so funny now. It's like never have there been so many different avenues to get your comedy out there. But at the same time, I think there's so damn much of it that it's hard to get noticed anywhere. Well, and there's so much crap to have to wade through. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I mean, really, yeah, it used to be if you wanted to see comedy in any type of media, it was going to be good or it was at least going to yeah. be proficient. Right. As CDs, maybe an HBO special, right. or like a DVD or a video even, heaven forbid. Remember or, those videos? Yeah. VHSs? Or a, or a guy or girl being on The Tonight Show or David right. Letterman or even in the early days of Comedy Central back in the early 90s, which is when I think that that kind of bubble burst and that era ended. You know, but yeah, but now, I mean, my God, it's everywhere. Well, and that's the thing, too. Everybody claims ownership of everything. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, hey, that was my line, or hey, I did that joke, or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, listen, you can tell a similar joke. Sure. But you can do it in your own voice. And I mean, this is what Carlos Mencia really gets, you know, reamed for, right? Mm -hmm. Because people say, oh, well, Carlos stole my, my material. But did he really? Did he actually steal your joke or did he just reappropriate the joke and put it into his voice and make it work that way? Now, I think it's a fine line. Oh, absolutely. But he's so successful at using material, whether that's somebody else's or not, and making it his own. Sure. So do we say, well, if you can make it your own, it's yours? I mean, because that's not necessarily fair either. I don't know. I mean, it's not fair because writing is so damn hard. It's the hardest part of comedy. It's absolutely, it's, it's, it's impossible sometimes. I mean, I've wasted whole days, you know, sitting down and going, I'm not going to leave until I get something good. And you, you write a whole bunch of stuff and you're like, ah, that's crap. That's crap. And you get nothing done because you tried, but you just weren't able to write anything. So for me, you know, I, I might have a joke that took me years to craft. I mean, and again, I'm not saying anything that Joe Rogan and a million people haven't already said, but for me to craft this joke and to have it right where I want it, you know, after like five years, and then for, let's say, for example, you hear it, and then you just take it and start performing it, that's messed up, right? Sure. Or, oh, or, yeah. Or even if you take it and you don't do it the exact same way, but you make it your own, you put your little Emory twist on it, right? The Emory twist. Hey, oh, come on. That's like, that sounds like a good sexual finishing move, doesn't oh, dear, it? Oh, dear. Uh, have to charge you extra for and the Emory right, twist. It's not something you get at the dime store, I'll tell you that much. No, right no, sir, no, sir. But if, if you were to do that, that does, just because you made it your own doesn't make it right. So, yeah, again, it, it is a really fine line. And it makes you sort of wonder why. What is it about people like Jerry Seinfeld? What is it about Chris Rock? You know, for Jerry, I mean, I think when you try to critique his comedy, it's that almost everybody can relate to his comedy. Oh, absolutely. And so he's able to to do a mile wide, right? But here's the thing about Jerry Seinfeld. It's not just a mile wide. It's also ha you know, has some depth to it. Most definitely. And and uh, I think a lot of comedians can do the mile wide or they can go very deep, but it's only going to be in a very specific sort of venue or, or specific topic. You know, they'll mine one topic. Yeah. It would be like me doing, you know, 30 minutes on hipsters. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, not everybody can relate. Jim Gaffigan, who I love, food, 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 food. And he's great at it. And he's Absolutely. made $8 trillion, zillion dollars, but it's all, for the most part, food, food, food. And he knows that. And he said, I, I re recall hearing an interview with him, and he said, or he was asked, 
you know, Jim, would you do like off-color jokes or jokes that were, he's like, oh man, I used to do those things all the time. I loved those jokes. He said, the problem is that people liked the food stuff and that's what I'm known for and that's what they want and that's what they will pay and I don't mind doing it, so here we go. You know, and I think some comedians get very bitter about that. Sure. You know, oh, I can only do jokes about this or people only want to see me because of this or to do this. Well, the thing is, you're obviously doing it well if people want to see you do it. Well, and, and comedy is something where art and commerce intersect. Oh, I mean, yes. so much of comedy is business-minded. So much of it is, I mean, it's not just art. You know, it's not like you have a paintbrush and the comedy stage is your canvas and you're going to make it painting the prettiest picture. So much of it is, is okay, I have to make this decision to make money. I have to make this decision to ascend. I mean, you have some outliers like Bill Hicks. Sure. But Bill Hicks is Bill Hicks, you know, right. who never had to compromise anything in any way, right? But, I mean, like me, I, I've... I, I had to get a lot cleaner just to start, you know, emceeing at clubs, right? Or just to emcee at this bar is to have a show here or there. I mean, if it were up to me and I did just whatever I wanted, yeah, I could do it, but I couldn't make any money. You know, or I couldn't at least get to the point where I could begin to make money, right? Right. I mean, it's like your favorite band that has to in some way sell out, right? I mean, so, it, I mean, it's... It took me a long time to figure that out. I know a lot of comics like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to use the F word, man. If you don't like it, F you. It's like, okay, well, you know, enjoy working at Target for the rest of your life. Right. Not to say there's anything wrong with Target. They no. have the best fitting T-shirts on earth. But if you want to make it in comedy, you're not going to make it with the material you have. Right. Well, especially in the red and khaki. Right. Exactly. I mean, I don't think that translates well. I don't think so. No. I, I think you're getting at a really great point here in, in the sense that comedians are, by their nature, generally speaking, uncompromising creatures. Oh, yeah. And the business requires you to make certain choices. I'm not going to say compromises, but I will say choices that may not be your first inclination or your first choice. Sure. And a lot of people who have comedic temperaments don't want to make that decision. And they'll right. say, well, I'd rather be pure and do my thing and, you know, be myself rather than, you know, make a living at something they really love to do. E exactly. No, I, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, like, look, if you want to make it in comedy, you're, you're going to have to go down a certain path. There are a few people who have skipped steps, of course, but for the, the vast majority of them, they're going to hit open mics, and then they're going to be booked on a few bar shows by their friends or other comics who see them and think they're funny. And then they're going to compete in contests and maybe win and get a little bit of work out of that. And at some point along at that point, you're going to start, uh, you're going to do a guest spot at a comedy club because most comedy clubs do guest spots there you're going to be seen you're going to be asked back for a couple more or if you do really well you're going to come back and you're going to MC for a weekend at a comedy club you go from emceeing to featuring that's when you have about 20 minutes of really good stuff and then you go from featuring and you're on the road at this point which is amazing to headlining okay but you know, when you're a headliner then you can do what you want but until that point you can't do what you want when you're, if I'm hosting a show, I can't come up with depressing stuff because I'm the first guy up there. Really, am I going to drag the mood of the show down for the next guy up? I can't say the F word really all that much because, again, if, if, I'm, if we're starting here this low, 
then where else is the rest of the show going to go? Especially if I'm emceeing for somebody who does clean material. So it's not compromising, like you said. You know what? No, in a way it is compromising, but it's also making choices to get to where you need to be. Well, and two, and let's look at it this way. It's also respecting other people's craft. You know what I mean? In the sense that, like, if you're... Uh, emceeing for someone who does clean material, but they're headlining. They have had to go through the same process that you're going through, and you're saying, you know what? Like, maybe I like their stuff, maybe I don't, but I can at least respect that oh. they've put in the time or their dues or or whatever it is. Absolutely. I mean, and again, hosting a show, it, it's not about you. I mean, you are a, you're like the dude in a porno when you're hosting the show. You are a vehicle. For the true star to shine and to make things work, right? Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. As the host of the Booterverse, I can I can sympathize. Mm-hmm. Again, I just th- th- these are all things, and I'm not saying that I am in any way like this. This you know, you're in the trenches, man. This all-seeing eye, right? Like, but these are all things I've learned. You know, in seven years of doing comedy, I wish somebody would have told me when I started. Well, can can I tell you one thing? What yes. you just said, that pathway. I have never heard that lined out before. Really? I've not heard one person, comedian or otherwise, mm-hmm. ever lay it out like that. Really? Not ever. Not not once. Really? Well, you know, and... And, and isn't there some... Isn't it... I don't want to say it's a pyramid scheme, but isn't it kind of like, well, you just come and you just put in your time and then you put in your time and then like things will happen. Like that's basically how it's built to you if you're like, hey, I want to get into comedy. Sure. And then somebody will say, well, this is what you just got to keep, just keep do, hitting those open mic nights, just hitting those open mic nights. But that's why nights. so many comics are bitter. Because, oh, <laughs> because it's not like it's guaranteed. Oh, no, man. It's not like, I mean, there's so many guys who write material and work hard and do all and try to do all the things I said, but they never get above a certain point. And it's because honestly, they're not that good. And I'm not saying I'm that good because I haven't made it either. But you get angry. So, but again, I've done it for seven years, and I'm I'm hosting at some comedy clubs, and I'm putting some shows together. But I'm not even featuring, right? So, what's the dream for you, Kyle? I wanna I wanna tour. I just want to go across the country, and I, I would love to headline clubs. That's it. That's all I've ever wanted. Well, if you are hearing Kyle the Short Bus Kincaid right now, and you know of a person who owns a comedy club or you are a comedian who has a space for him, why don't you get him on your stage? You'll be glad that you did. You are being so sweet. I think I'm going to go by my real name, by the way, from now on. I have been for a few months now. Kyle Kincaid, I like. I like, well, that's not the real name. It's Kyle Fields. That's the real name. That's right. Yeah, dropping kayfabe on you. No, it's Kyle Fields is the real name. I went by Kyle Kincaid because I wrestled. I was a pro wrestler from 04 to uh, 09. Wait, is this real? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And that was <laughs> that was that was my wrestling name. It was Classy Kyle Kincaid. What? Yeah, and I How thought, are you dropping this at the end of the I, interview? I know. You just want to come back. Don't I, that'll you? have to Th- be that is... Oh my god, so many there's so many great wrestling stories too. What? But for a while, I did comedy and I did wrestling, and I was like, "Well, I'll just use the same name for both." And I stopped doing wrestling, and I was like, "I'll just use my real name." Which you can follow me, by the way, on Twitter at Kyle Shortbus or Instagram at Kyle Shortbus or Facebook Kyle. I don't know Kyle Fields. I don't know what it is, but you'll find me. All right. Well, and you know what? If you can send me those links, we'll we'll put them up on the Booterverse, and so people can come to the website. And, and check you out. Yes, most definitely. Let's we, do this. We'd be happy to do Let's that. Let's do this thing. 
Absolutely. No, and Kyle, uh, I am so glad that you joined us today. This has been a really lovely and fruitful interview. And I, you know, you are a gem, my friend. Oh, you're a gem. Shine on, you crazy diamond. This has been so much fun. I love it. Well, Buddhaites, this has been another episode of the Buddhaverse, and we'll be right back. A special thanks to Kyle Fields. Thank you to Courtney and Sonny and our production team for making all of this possible, and to Quadrants for composing our theme song. And if you haven't had enough of me here on the podcast, you can join me on social media at The Booter. Not only are we on Facebook and Twitter, but for those of you so sartorially inclined, I'm also on Pinterest. Why on Pinterest? Well, you know, men should be on Pinterest. I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away. (laughs) 